Action's Antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. This podcast, I always kind of describe as being a little bit of a a 50-50 podcast in that 50% of it is centered around my hometown of Denver, Colorado, and 50% of it is with guests in some other places. In some of the more recent episodes, we featured some guests from other places, uh, but this episode is something we've kind of done before, which we're featuring a specific opportunity and event in Denver, Colorado, coming next month, October 13th, the Rocky Mountain Young Professional Summit. In order to talk about that, as well as her more recent endeavors, is my guest today, Tara McFarland, intuitive healing coach, hopefully I got that right, and the founder of Great Conversation, LLC. Tara, welcome to the program. Thank you. Yeah, I call myself an intuitive leadership coach. Intuitive leadership coach. I'm sorry. I try to get that that right. Yeah, no Um, worries. Well, and I like the combination about between the intuitive and the leadership because my background is in engineering. And so a lot of the people that I work with are very analytical types. And so when we talk about leadership, people understand what that means. The intuitive part is what they're learning when they work with me. So, and one of your key endeavors has been taking people with a similar background to yours, engineering, and introducing them to kind of concepts that don't necessarily come natural to a lot of people with the engineering mindset. Tell us a little bit about your journey in that particular realm. Like I said, my background is in engineering, and um, I was a civil engineer for over 20 years. Right about year 20, I hit a very major patch of burnout where I just completely shattered, had absolutely no idea what I was going to do. I thought my career was over. And this was predicated by being in a position where I had been a technical team lead, meaning I had been doing designs for most of my career. And then I shifted into a more non-technical program position and I became a project manager, program manager. I was suddenly leading multidisciplinary teams and I actually didn't have any idea how to do it. Oh, wow. And I didn't get the training that was needed to understand what the dynamics are within teams and really how to deal with people, right? Like I had been evaluating dams almost 15 years at that point. And now I'm now I'm yeah. having to lead teams and it's a totally different skill set. And so I was on this project that was very high profile. Um, it was politically sensitive. It was a really big project. It would have like, if I could have carried this project through to the end, it would have been a launching point for me to continue up the ladder. What happened instead was that it was just like a series of things that kept happening where I knew that something wasn't quite right in the project, but I didn't know how to bring that up. And I didn't know how to bring it up to the project team. And I didn't really know how to bring it up to my supervisors. And we were working with this third party. And it was just this really odd dynamic of our core team, a third party and their consultant. I was in that role for three years. And at the end of three years, eventually what happened was that I finally got to a point where I was tired of hearing about how I needed to be more careful in meetings that I didn't seem angry. And uh, as a woman in engineering, if there are any women in male-dominated industries listening, this might resonate really well because I have a very direct personality style. It was hard for me to hide emotions. Right. So we would be in these meetings that would be really difficult and like nobody's having fun in them. And it lands on me as one of the leaders of the project 
that I'm looking like I'm angry or I'm upset or whatever, that point I just lost it. Like Mm. I literally couldn't see any way out of this because I had been receiving this negative feedback and was only, and actually it was only really a couple of times. But the problem was, is that throughout my career, I had gotten really good performance reviews. So there was never this thing about, we really need to work on communication. I think we need development in this area. Like there wasn't like this development of potential that people saw. It was kind of like a sink or swim situation. And I just felt like I sunk. Oh, yeah. At that point, I remember being so upset, couldn't see a way out that I went to not my supervisor, but actually my superior. So his supervisor. And I told her that I couldn't continue on the project and that I had to go part-time, I was done. I really had no idea where where my next steps were going to be. So I had a really supportive um, supervisor and superior, and they agreed to let me go part-time. They hired somebody to take my place. And I started to really look at what was it that I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Because I knew I wasn't going to hang out where I was. I was like, I think I'm done with engineering. But I also want to help people who are in industries like this to start to understand and unravel all this stuff that we're told, all this conditioning that we take on, and get to like, what does it mean to lead from the inside out? So when I call myself an intuitive leadership coach, it's because It's having people tune into their own intuition, what they see as their strengths in leadership. Yeah. That are often reflected back to them. But we focus so much on the negative that it's hard to see what the positives are sometimes, right? Yeah. And then really to cultivate a career based on that. So you were in engineering for 20 years. And I always think of engineering as having a kind of a more straightforward and linear approach and a little less... I don't want to say touchy-feely, but a little less of like trying to tap into some of those things like like intuition. You know, my impression that it tends to appeal more toward people who want to be exact and follow a direct procedure. For those 20 years that you were in that field and doing the day-to-day work, um, did you feel happy or was there another part of you that wasn't coming out? I can safely say that I was not happy in my career. And you're right. It was like being on train tracks. Like it was just a straight linear. If I get to this destination, I'll be happy. If I get to this destination, I'll be happy. That's kind of how I went through my career. So if I had ever stopped to say, hang out at a stop at a little train depot for a minute and reflect on, is this really where I want to be and what I want to be doing? The answer would have been no. Hmm. But for most of my career, I just pushed that to the side. That was my intuition talking. There was this, there was always this little voice of, this isn't really what you like to do. Yeah. I would just push it to the side and I would move forward and I would go for, you know, the next promotion or take on the next project or, you know, try to learn a new skill, a technical skill, not a people skill and, and then prove myself. There was a whole lot of, I need to prove myself in this situation. And not everybody is like that, right? I work with people who really love engineering And they're just needing to find their spot in it, like where to land, where they feel supported by the company 
they're doing more of what they really like to do versus just putting up with stuff that they don't like to do. Yeah, what's energizing versus what's draining, right? Exactly. When I started to tune into my own intuition, which happened after this breakdown, I, you know, at the time I was very lucky to have a mentor who really helped me to open up to these ideas that seem so foreign. I mean, you're right. It's not a touchy-feely profession. It's a profession where people don't want to talk about emotions and feelings. They just want to get the work done. But underneath, there's always emotions running the show. And we just kind of try to pretend like they're not. Luckily, with this mentor, I was able to start to like open up to emotions are okay. I also have a therapist. I mean, like I was, (laughs) I had a team, right? (laughs) So emotions are okay. And if I'm feeling drained all the time, if this stuff is so hard to get through, then do I really need to be here? Is this the environment for me to be in? And, And a lot of that work led me to using human design in my coaching because it helped me to, to really understand what is it that I'm doing that is draining and why is it draining? I've spent like a decade trying to figure out why I have like energy crashes at 2.30 in the afternoon, like so many people. Well, honestly, I think that one of the reasons why we have energy crashes at 2.30 in the afternoon is because we're not supposed to work the way we're, we're working, like none of us. Yeah, oh, 100%, 100% <laughs> agree. I even read that old book. Well, it's now old from 2010, The Way We Work Isn't Working by Barry Schwartz. Oh, I haven't read that one. Yeah. That sounds like a good one. It's just one of those evidence that like, as much as a lot of these conversations feel new, they feel like they started maybe just before COVID, but really started in earnest during the pandemic, that people have been looking into this and researching this for, for quite a while. And that movie Office Space is now a quarter of a century old. And it's so true. And it's like, <laughs> this is exactly like, were we meant to get up and sit in traffic where an old guy with a walker is going faster than you in your yeah, car? Right. <laughs> And, and sit in these gray cubes that are just depressing. Yeah, like all Little day long. Farms. So <laughs> all day long, sit at your computer, do your work. It's hard for us to move through a work day and be productive the way that we think we're supposed to be productive when that's not really the way our energy works. And that's where mm. I use human design to point out to people this is really how, you know, it, human design is an archetype. It's a system that is based on several systems. One of the main ones is astrology. Yeah. So it's very esoteric, right? So you're you're talking about like just an archetype. This is an idea of how the, the energy works, but it really helps people to understand, well, if I'm like for me personally, my archetype in human design is one in which I actually don't really have sustainable energy. If you look at me energetically based on the chart, which is based on birth time, place, yep. date, right? Just yep, like astrology. The exact same is, way. I am energetically very open. So that means that I am constantly taking in a lot from my environment and amplifying it any which way. And everything's kind of it's fairly variable for me. Yeah. And understanding that led me to an understanding of okay, then that makes sense. Because when I walk into a crowded store, there are times that I'm in there for like 10 minutes and I have a, I need to get out of here feeling. 
it's just because of the way that I'm processing whatever's happening around me. And so I think that it's nice to have something like that to look at to say, okay, now this makes sense. Right. When I burned out of my career made perfect sense because it was right around the age of 40. And I had been operating as a different, basically as a different archetype, pretending like I had all the sustainable energy, just like, let's just go for it. And ultimately it wasn't sustainable, especially because at that time I was, I was working full time. I'm married. I have two kids. I had two very young kids at the time. And I was, you know, still trying to hit the gym. I'd be there at 515 in the morning. (laughs) I know so many people try to do that. Yep. Oh my gosh. I did that for like a year. And it's weird because one of the hard things that I often experience when I look at situations like that is that there's this appearance out there as if there are so many people that are not only doing this, but thriving, you know, and it's part of what our Instagram culture really kind of brings about like, well, all these other people, I see all these other parents, I see all these other moms, I see all these other groups of people doing this and they're showing their 5 a.m. workout, their full workday where they get in the office by seven, they're there until 4.30, they come home, take care of the kids and then pull out their laptops and do a little bit more at 8.15 until 10 and somehow get by on five hours of sleep with all the other responsibilities around having children, having a home and stuff like that. And it's easy to get into that mindset where you're saying, what's wrong with me? Why can't I make that work? When you were looking at this stuff, is that what drew you to like look into ideas such as human design? I like to learn. Yeah. Like I'm a lifelong learner. And so one of the things that really opened up for me and why I became a, a coach is that I really like to learn about people. So it's almost like taking my analytical brain that has been very honed in the engineering industry and applying it to people, (laughs) but in a more feeling way. (laughs) So that's what drew me to this was like trying to figure out like, well, why is it that happens? Because I would do that comparison all the time. I mean, I wrote a whole blog post once. I should repost it because it's, it's amazing where I said, well, I'm taking care of myself this is what my day looks like. Yep. And I must be taking care of myself because my day didn't look exactly like that. It looked like I had a lot more downtime. But really, for me, one of the things that I noticed is like I've had to understand that I'm very efficient when I have the energy to work. And when I don't have the energy to work, I just don't have the energy to work. It's not saying that like I can't do work because of this. It's just learning how to flow with that energy. And so that is what, you know, as I was trying to figure out what is going on with me. Yeah. 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 I was drawn to human design and I had a reading done by a friend of mine and, and I had done an astrology reading before that, like probably a year before that, but the human design reading was the one that completely blew my mind where I was like, this explains everything. Like I tend to be like an explorer or an experimenter. So I'm always looking for different ways to do things. And when you work in a place that is all about the status quo, that's not necessarily an attribute that they love. It's not compatible with what they value. And I didn't really understand it, you know, until I started to dig into the into the human design. I didn't really understand at the time that I was going through all of this stuff, right? So that's why when I focus on who do I want to support? 
as a coach, it's like, I want to support the people who were in my position because I, I do believe that right about mid career, which is kind of in that 10 to 15 year zone is where people tend to start to wonder, well, well, where am I really going with this? Yeah. And I can say for sure that around 15 years was when I was questioning. I didn't know where to turn was the problem. No, I mean, it's a tough situation. It's a situation that I found myself in. It's a situation that I envision many of my listeners finding themselves in as well, because one of my biggest criticisms of our work culture is that it tends to be one size fits all. It tends to assume that everyone's going to work under the same circumstance. Everyone's going to work the same exact way, which I also argue is a... um we took the um, industrial work culture and we never really adapted it to what many of the jobs today are, you know, as, as in the mid 20th century, when we left the assembly line, where it was very much the number of hours you're there is the amount of value you're producing. And everyone needs to work the same hours and, you know, do the same thing to something where we all have different talents. And I want to iterate because I hope it doesn't come across this way. I'm not trying to sound as if I'm like, saying anything bad about people who are of, you know, the linear engineering mindset, because it is a group of people we need. I think we need all the different groups of people with all the different talents. And we just need to kind of facilitate everyone being able to find who they are and find themselves. And so one of the things I'm wondering is if someone is in that situation and they want to say, explore their human design, or they even want to look into your coaching services, what would be the best way for someone to contact you or generate that human design or any other method in which people can kind of come in and start really exploring who am I? Why am I feeling this way? What should I be looking into much like the way you did? I have a website, which is createconversationllc.com. That's a good place to go because that's where all my stuff lands. You can also find me on Instagram if you just look up Tara McFarland. My handle is Tara McFarland 111. There's a few of us out there. I had to add some numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so those are, those are good ways to uh, get in touch with me. And it's true, right? So some people really thrive in that environment. And that's fine. The people I work with are the ones who aren't thriving. Like I said, sometimes really like the work that they do. They don't want to necessarily leave their industry but they want to figure out how to work best within it because they love the work that they do. They've recognized that they're maybe in the wrong position or the wrong company, or they've recognized that they've hit a burnout patch and really want to focus on, well, if I'm going to make a move, what is the best move for me to make? And that's where like the combination of I'm very analytical. I love to problem solve. So I love helping people like figure out, okay, what really are your next steps? And at the same time, let's bring it back to you and teach people how to tune into their intuition, teach them through human design, how to just to look at it, right? Just yeah. to understand like, this is probably how your energy works. And this is where some of these things come into play. And then start to play with it a little bit, right? It ha yep. it doesn't have to be all heavy and serious all the time. You know, one of the ways I teach people to start using intuition is I ask, I tell them to start asking questions about, you know, the food that they want to eat. Oh, like what you're craving? Because sometimes what we're craving isn't necessarily what 
we need, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have a choice. You can still go, well, I'm going to go eat that ice cream, even though my body says it doesn't want it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But at sure. least you're starting to tune into, oh, okay, maybe it's not really understanding. And here's the other thing. When we've been disconnected from our intuition, it can be hard to trust it. And I have a theory. This is a probably more of speculation than a theory because I've done zero research on it. Uh, I love speculative theories. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> So my speculation is that really in engineering, it's actually much more creative industry and and career than people give it credit for. It's constant problem solving. It's constant looking at things that are not necessarily exactly the same as you did it the last time. So how do you figure out how to move through it? So I think that engineers are probably some of the most intuitive people out there, but a lot of us have been taught that it's only what we've learned in our textbooks, what we learned from the from our professors, what we've learned on the job, you know, what the numbers say, what we can calculate that we really give credence to and credit to versus I just had this idea and so I went it's like you can have these bursts of inspiration, which is likely intuition, and then you can go figure out if it works. And I think that's what a lot of engineers do. And so it's yeah. getting people to understand that they're actually have, they actually have intuition, they actually have inspiration, and they just need to start to tune into it and really pay attention. That's when we can start to create a vision for you know our careers and how we want our life to go and then actually make it happen. I mean, that makes sense. I have a good friend who's a civil engineer and she has all kinds of intuitive theories about when to build roundabouts or traffic circles or rotaries, you know, whatever you call it. Somewhat in the U.S. that's considered kind of an alternate design for how roads are going to, traffic is going to flow, roads are going to work and everything like that. Some people love them. A lot of people hate them. It's different. Most people don't know how to drive through them. But yeah, that's kind of an intuition like this intersection should be a traffic circle instead of your standard traffic light with the red, yellow, green, or red, amber, and green as the civil engineers in my life like to remind yeah, Nice. <laughs> it's amber, not yellow. Well, I love it, that. It almost seems like there's this like combination and it's almost like a combination for every role where there's a role for your intuition and then there's a role for that whole linear be exact area where, you know, because also when you're building that road or whatever you're building in engineering, you do need to have the numbers. You do have, need to have things laid out the right way so the bridge doesn't collapse, so the water drains, so that the electrical circuits don't overload. All those things are really important there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's where I think that I bring something a little bit different to the coaching industry just because like I'm I kind of bridge both of those things. I play with the energy, I play with intuition. I have people play, you know, play in that realm of I can't see it or touch it or I don't know if it really exists, but it's like how about if you just trust it exists and then just go play in it. It's not a, it's not a big yeah. deal, <laughs> right? <laughs> and on the and on the other hand, yeah, we still need to get stuff done and we still need to check things and there still needs to be calculations that need to be done. And it's it's how do we put those two together? And I think that that's what's really going to help. Well, people feel more fulfilled in their careers, you know? Yeah, for sure. And just leaning into that and understanding that's how it works. I'm glad because 
I feel like, you know, you're exactly right that our kind of our system, starting with our education system, but then going through everything on the job, doesn't really teach us to trust intuition. If you think about the idea of a processes and procedures manual, that's kind of like drilling into our head, this idea that it's not about your intuition. It's not about how you feel. You're supposed to just follow these orders and do things the way that they're done, which obviously, you know, there needs to be some kind of a balance. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I also want to give you some time to talk about this upcoming event, the Rocky Mountain Young Professional Summit. What's your involvement in this event and how did you get involved in putting this together? Okay, so let me just explain what the Rocky Mountain Young Professional Summit is. This is a collaboration of young professionals who come together to plan this. And it's a one-day summit. It's going to be held Friday, October 13th at the Denver Zoo. We like to choose fun places to have it, kind of a fun venue. And basically what we have are various speakers, right? Covering areas of personal, professional, and community development. Mm -hmm. And it's also an opportunity just for people to get together and to make new connections and to learn something, to learn from their fellow peers and also seasoned professionals. And I actually got involved with this last summer. Smedley Events is putting it on and I met the founder, Lara, at a different event. And since I really like to support young professionals, she approached me about helping out with this. And it's also loosely associated with Mile High Young Professionals organization. The founders, Dan and Ira of Mile High Young Professionals, originally started this several years ago. So it's been on hiatus for a couple of years due to the pandemic, and we're bringing it back in person this year. I'm really excited about it. Our theme is Connection from the Inside Out. We've had a great volunteer committee of young professionals helping us out, brainstorm ideas, come up with speaker ideas and, and program flow and things like that. And I think that it's going to be a really fantastic event for people just to come in, have some fun and learn something. We do uh, have tickets on sale now, and you can go to the website, which is rmyps.com, and you can find all the information that you need there. You can also sign up for a newsletter where we've been releasing you know, some news about the different speakers that we're having and the different programming elements. So connection from the inside out. Elaborate on that a little bit. What does it mean to connect from the inside out? When we got our focus groups and our committee together this year, one of the things that came out of of all of that kind of brainstorming and asking questions and soliciting feedback was that people are really craving connection and especially in-person connection, just, you know, we're trying to find our way in this hybrid environment. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be like, people really want to be in-person and connecting. So we knew connection was part of the theme from the get-go. From the inside out, because this is centered around personal development and professional development, it's where can you be connected to yourself? Because when Mm -hmm. you're connected to yourself and you understand how you work, what the best environments are for you, and how to navigate more challenging environments, then you are able to make more connections outside of yourself. So our speakers, you know, we have a mix of personal speakers where we're, they're talking about, you know, our morning keynote, Nikki McCord, her 
she's talking about break free of the status quo. I've been to her talk and it's awesome because she brings it in such a way that it becomes what's your status quo. Oh, so it's not just a proverbial societal. It's just not proverbial societal. Yes. Makes you really think. Um, And then like, Stephen, you're giving a presentation on uh, less screen time. Yep. Which is also like a personal connection thing. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. um, As you know, that's my newest business and uh, something that's really important to me. And I think something also important to that. I mean, I think both kinds of connections, whether it be connection from the inside or connection out, because I think the screens that we have are a constant source of distraction and something that we're tempted to do all the time. And if you spend five, six, seven hours a day scrolling through some sort of website, social media, or watching TV, and as I always say, letting Netflix play you know, the next one, the next one, next one, you're not really giving yourself the time or the space to, to connect with yourself. And you're also taking away a lot of the time that you have in order to go out there and make connections with others, which is very important in an era where one thing that I point out in my presentation is that in the year 1990, they asked a survey of how many close friends do you have And uh, a clear majority were either in the five to nine or the 10 plus category. And this is close friends, people you can talk to. They asked that same survey in 2021 and uh, over 40%, I think it was 48% were in the one to four category and a a full 12% startingly had said zero. They have no close friends. And so we are in an era where we're really in need of connection and these sites, although they officially say we connect people, I think Mark Zuckerberg said that about a thousand times by now, or more than that, it, these things are really not connecting people in the manner that you're talking about here with saying, get to really know who you are, get to really know who someone else is. And I'm glad my friend climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and I can look at the photos on Instagram, but there's more to the story. Mm-hmm. I think that's, That's excellent. And it fit right in with the whole theme that we have going on. So we have a a lot of presentations that are, you know, centered around that, you know, and talking about different styles of leadership and what it means to build a culture and and things like that. And so I'm very, very excited for this. So I do encourage people to go to the website and check it out. You can also find Rocky Mountain Young Professional Summit on Instagram. Yeah, I would just, I would love for people just to come and to define young professional, our definition of young professional. There's always like a different age range. Our quote unquote cutoff for young professional is 40. So it's actually someone who is anyone from entry level to mid-career, you know, and just looking for a little bit more personal professional development on on a Friday the 13th. So... I know. I was thinking about the fact that it's Friday the 13th uh, a couple of days ago. I was like, uh, we all have these ideas around that particular day. but And it's weird. That's also in October, the month of Halloween. Uh-huh. It, it is. It is very funny because we had a few dates and then it was like, oh, well, this is the only date that fits. Yeah. And we all kind of had a little chuckle about it. And it's at the zoo, too. <laughs> it's at the zoo. I know. Which yes. um, I'm actually there. I can actually walk to the zoo from my house, but 
Um, also, what kind of networking opportunities will be there at the summit, as well as with the organization as a whole, to you know, opportunities to actually meet some of the other attendees as well as the, the speakers? Um, we are in the middle of uh, nailing down a date to have a networking opportunity, like a happy hour before the summit occurs. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you will definitely hear about that. Or if you start following on Instagram, you'll hear about that opportunity. And then we also will have like a like a networking happy hour near the end of the day. So it runs from 8.30 to 5. Our programming is going to go 8.30 to about 3.30. And then we'll have um, opportunity for networking. We're also uh, still in the process of putting together some of the programming bits, but we are working on sprinkling in, you know, opportunities for connection during our breaks or um, everything. All of the workshops have some sort of interactive element. So I don't want people to think that they're just going to come to this and it's going to be one of those conferences that you go to where you sit there and you stare at a PowerPoint and people yeah. just keep giving PowerPoints. <laughs> it's not that. Um, every Everyone who's presenting has... Uh, some sort of interactive element. Uh, so it really is, will help you engage and, and get into, you know, the meat of what the speakers are presenting. And I do a lot of visioning work with my clients. And so what I hope is that when people leave this summit, that they will have a little bit more of a vision of how they want their life to be. We're in a time where we are changing the way that we work. We're creating more flexibility. I think one of my my most favorite things about the younger generations, because I'm I'm a I'm a firmly Gen X cohort. Yep. Is that that they are pushing back against the norms. These don't work. Yep. You know, and 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 we just need to find a different way because I think to your point about the changing of our our industries and the way and the way that we work and, and the things that we're actually doing. These are more service-based or they're more creative-based. It's different than the industrial work. Um, it's, it's a different way of being. It's a different way of thinking, of, of moving through problem solving. And I think one of the things that comes up a lot is sometimes people don't understand how taxing it is to problem solve. Yeah. How exhausting it can be. And so... Creating that flexibility where it's like, okay, I, I will work really hard on this one block of time and then I get to take a break and, and learning how to flow with that, depending on, you know, what your preference is. Not, not many people that I know can work for eight straight hours and be productive for eight hours. Which is interesting because when I think about the old assembly line, you know, the manufacturing model that this is all based on, a lot of those tasks were not problem solving. A lot of those tasks were just kind of repeating the same motions and they had their own problems too, because they would oftentimes lead to uh, ailments that required physical therapy because people would oftentimes be contorting their bodies in the same exact way over and over again. And so that's not, not to say that that really worked, but when we took that model, we took a model from jobs that generally weren't to the level of mentally taxing that trying to actually figure out a whole bunch of problems can be. You know, I think there's an argument there too, that that old model of assembly line, industrial 40 hour work week didn't work then either. Yeah. Not for people, maybe no. for the bottom line, but not for people. <laughs> no, it's kind of weird because I know the, the entire history behind that. I studied the um, 
I have this like list of historical villains in my head. And one of them is a individual named Frederick Winslow Taylor, who considered the godfather or grandfather of management consulting. And he was the first one that started this idea. His essential premise, and he was working at these steel mills in Pennsylvania, was that most of his co-workers were stupid and lazy and had to be monitored and be strictly pushed into doing things the most efficient way. And if you take a bunch of measurements and he would take these stopwatches and go into companies and he would measure things and then find out the best way to do it and then just create what people refer to as standard work around that one method. And um, one of the problems that happened is that people tend to think on a shorter time horizon than you know what's kind of most healthy. In a world where you're a manager and you're just worried about what your Q1 and then Q2 and Q3 numbers are going to look like, they would actually often look really good when they implemented this guy's, right, like Winslow Taylor, his methods only to eventually burn people out eventually, you know, but that's for four or five years down the road when someone else is CEO and you know, exactly. whichever. And so people started adopting it and people started like, oh, wait, you fixed this steel mill. We're going to bring this Frederick Winslow Taylor guy in and bring him into our steel mill. It's like, oh, and that, that can also apply to like manufacturing shoes or, you know, building tools or something like that. And it kind of just spread everywhere. And I think it still was pushed into the world of creative problem solving, which makes even less sense. That's a fascinating little history lesson. Thank you for that. I don't advocate being online unintentionally, but there are still certain really cool things you can learn on YouTube. It's just, it's the intentionality behind what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Right. And is it, is it serving you or are you 20 minutes into a TikTok scroll going, I don't why? even know why I'm looking at my phone, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So today we talked quite a bit about a scenario that a lot of people find themselves in, especially mid-career, although I do, do want to specify that this could be at any point in your life, at any point in your career, you could reach this point where you're like, why am I doing this? I'm not feeling energized. I'm not feeling like I'm in the right place. I need to re-examine some things. And so one last tidbit for someone who is feeling that, for whatever reason they're feeling what do you think is the first thing anyone listening can do tomorrow morning when they wake up or at any point in the day tomorrow to take that first baby step in the process of starting to really do some of this deep examining that you unfortunately had to do yourself after kind of getting your butt kicked by the world? Yeah, after, yeah, I, I would like to have people, you know, not quite hit the burnout. <laughs> yeah. Not that way. Don't hit a wall. I firmly believe in meditation and breathing exercises. Um, I think that the biggest thing, if you're feeling like that crunch, that mm. I just, you know, anxiety, wake up with your mind racing, or you're just not sure how you're going to get through the day, or, you know, you're like, God, I got to go to this job and yeah. I'm not sure if I even want to stay in the job, right? If you were in that position, then I would say like the thing to start doing is, is working on calming your nervous system and, uh, meditation is a great way to do that. I mean, in this day and age, you can find meditations anywhere. Insight timer is, is one app that I've found useful. 
just go on Spotify and look for music mm-hmm. and just listen to the music or just spend five minutes sitting quietly outside if you can and just notice what's around you. And really like that helps to slow you down a little bit and get you a little bit more in tune with, you know, you. Yeah. So it's, it's just starting really small with three minutes or five minutes just to slow down a little. And then you can start to build from there. That's a great starting point. Tara, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today on Actions Antidotes for telling us all about your story, which took some vulnerability on your part to to share that with anyone who could potentially be listening, as well as uh, share this opportunity that anyone has to uh, go to the Rocky Mountain Young Professional Summit. And I would like to also thank all my listeners out there for tuning in, for uh, being open to any of these podcast episodes, any of these stories, any of these ideas about how we all can go about getting in touch with who we are and finding that that right spot where we truly feel like we belong. Because I think that's, in the end, what we're all, in essence, looking for. Thank you. This was really fun. And I'm looking forward to seeing everybody at the summit in October. 